please note, we are not giving expert medical advice. Our content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. If you do need to talk to someone, please look in the show notes where you'll find helpline phone numbers. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to episode three of We Are All A Bit Mental. It's a show where we aim to question and challenge the rather wonderfully complex and often slippery subject of mental health. I'm Lynn Ferguson, and I'm very pleased to be in the charming company of the rest of my magnificent crew, namely Chisney Oaks, Brandon Block, and Neil Harrington. Hello, everyone. I'm Chisney. Hello, everybody. Blocko here. Hello, everybody. I'm Neil. Oh, aren't they adorable? All present and correct. So, the title of this show is (laughs) Thank You. It's a show about gratitude, and I cannot think of a better way to kick off than to go over to Ches, as I am sure he wants to say something. (laughs) (laughs) So... Last week, I asked the lovely listeners, if they're enjoying the show, could they please kindly tell a friend about us and help spread the word? Well, looks like it has been happening. And we are chuffed to bits, aren't we, we guys? I've noticed an increase in the show downloads and amount of messages we're getting and emails. So in keeping with today's theme, uh, I just want to take a moment to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. To all you gorgeous, gorgeous listeners. Thank you. Can I just say how grateful we are for that wonderful intro from all (laughs) of you wonderful people? And and we are are (laughs) completely grateful to hear from you all. I mean that. It's the most sincere. It's about gratitude. So, um, you know, it's nice to be cheery about this stuff because grateful is a feeling. It's not just about saying the word. So we need you to keep contacting us. We want to learn about your experiences. We want to learn, laugh, cry together. Keep messaging us, sharing with us. We really appreciate it. And we love to have you on board. So um, we look forward to hearing more from you. We're very grateful. Absolutely. Last week, you, as I like to call it, you did your thing. Oh, I did my thing. The listener, (laughs) Dave from Birmingham. Um... And the listeners got a fascinating insight into some of your work, uh, and Dave got to benefit directly from your observations. It spelt out that we are such basic creatures of habit, in a way, and your suggestion of just changing a few everyday patterns and behaviours can be such a powerful tool to sort of shake us and, and wake us up a bit. Yeah, you know, the thing about it is, is we're all running our own narrative all the time. Right. In between our ears, we've got this story going on where you're like, I'm this kind of person, I'm that kind of person. And it varies from day to day. Right. And also it varies from personality to personality. Like personally, I can go from uh, the greatest success to the greatest failure in about seven and a half minutes, (laughs) even less on some days, depending on uh, what's going on. Or because the world is in such a crazy place, I can go from... The world is magical to the world's uh, dissolving. It's like a cluster f- or whatever, right? In like 30 seconds. This story that we run in our head, uh, we think everybody hears and we don't. The thing about changing little things that you, that you do reminds you that you are possibility. Like I work with people in a lo- whole load of different ways. Like I work with people who come out of cults. I work with people who are writers, who have blogs. I work with people who just want to change themselves or they don't know how to. And what all of the people have in common is they think that they've come to a destination, which is what the rest of their life will be. Yeah. And that actually just changing these little things 
reminds you that you are a work in progress and that at nowhere along the line when you entered the world was it meant to be that you were 100% perfect all the time, that you do screw up, that that's part of the flow of it and changing things little by little reminds you that you are just a work in progress and you don't really know what will happen tomorrow. A lot of those things are all, you know, behind the scenes in your mind. They're like, you know, part of the unconscious mind, aren't they? These things that you tell yourself all the time. I think that that's, that's an, an issue, isn't it? Like, we, we don't even know no. that we're saying these things to ourselves. That's, that's the condition. That's the sort of, the, 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 you say the narrative, and it's, the, it's actually the story. You do tell the story. We've, but we were told a story before ourselves. We've been told a story about, i.e., if it's about, as you say, the future, we've been told that the future's often by our peers, our parents, or whatever, the future's tough. Oh, the future's tough. And, you know, from an early age, we get that whole thing about, oh, sorry, I better not better not look too far forward or if I do, it's too fearful or too, you know. Uh, or or even to... I'm, I'm not good enough. I, I, can't, I can't do this. I'll, I won't, I'll never be able to do that. Yeah. yeah, the old don't set your expectations too high or you'll only be disappointed with the outcome. Totally. Mm, you're only going to fail. <laughs> there is a, there's a friend of mine who does this thing. Uh, she does a thing about money management, which maybe in, in a different show we'll talk to her. She's fascinating because she takes all the guilt out of it, right? But um, she opens with this discussion with the people that she's working with where she says, how many people here were told how to manage money, right? And invariably nobody is. And it's very, right, right? So it's very similar, I think, with mental health. It's interesting, like now in work, I'm starting to do schools. I've been asked to work with like nine and 10 year olds to do narrative work with them. Mm -hmm. And one of the things with this work is that I ask them to understand the concept that nobody ever can or ever will see the world exactly as you do. Therefore, you're your own pot of gold. Right. Fantastic. So bringing it back to gratitude is that we learn to be grateful for those things that make us different. We learn early on that we are full of possibility instead of... Um, imagine if someone had said to you when you were nine years old, what you see is magical and unique, right? Mm. And therefore you celebrate it, you feed it, you're grateful for it, rather than you got to sort this shit out, you got to get this thing passed, you got to be as good as that guy next door, and also them over there, they think you're a dick. Yeah, because you're unique. Yeah. And the way that you think is unique. Yeah. But Lynn, going back to the uh, the words that you gave to Dave after his reading, he, he wrote in and he just wanted to let you know that he is now taking different routes on his regular journeys. He's purchased some new different styles of clothes and is, is dressing differently. And he's parking in a different spot at the supermarket. So, like you said, just silly little things, right? He's changing. Little things. Um, yeah. He then went on to add that he also tried putting his socks on before his trousers, but unfortunately got his foot trapped in his jeans, went arse over tits, smashed head first into a full-length mirror. <laughs> and now he's suing us. <laughs> and now he's suing us. <laughs> so thanks for that, Lynn. Yeah. So this was the shortest uh, run uh, podcast in history. Yeah. yeah. Still, I'm grateful for Thank his you, show title is Gratitude. Before we get our guest Shlomo involved, let's just kick the subject about for a little bit, team. Mm. So is it actually possible to understand and to have gratitude before something is taken away for us? Um, look, I mean, for me, I suppose uh, what you were saying about 
can we be grateful before we lose it? I think, well, for me, let's say if I went back then, if I'd have known about what was going on for me, it's about awareness, Neil. Of course, everything starts with awareness, doesn't it? So if you're not, if you're in that mode of thinking, right, I'm really, really pleased with what I have, because we often don't, because this is what the, in our Western culture and civilization, let's say, we're, we're all consumers. So we're never happy with what we have because there's always something new on on the end of a phone or the end of. Uh, we're always exposed to the marketing, and that's it. The you know, keep buying more, having the latest. One. Exactly. So it's about it's about. There's a number of things here that I. This is personally for me. I think there's that that whole Eckhart Tolle thing about being in the present moment. And I think now knowing what I can, you can become grateful. But actually, if you say it's not just about saying I'm grateful, you've got to feel it. And if you can feel gratitude, and that's a thing that you've got to learn to do, if you can feel gratitude, then you, I don't want to sound too woo-woo, but it will. You can transcend the sort of the, the, the consumerism, let's say, because you're, you're just grateful for what you've got. So if you have signed up to our mailing list, you'll be receiving a full-length version of this show where we do continue on this topic for a while. But for this edit of the show, we do need to move on and introduce our fabulous guest. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, introducing world champion beatboxer, live looper, singer-songwriter, S.K. Shlomo. Shlo, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you for joining us. Hello. How lovely to see all these lovely smiley faces. Just a quick introductions. Shlo, meet Brandon and Lynn. Hiya. Shlo, honour. Lovely to meet you, mate. Lovely to meet you. And you. And of course, you don't need any introduction to Ches because you two know each other. Yes, indeed. Hello, sir. How are you, boss? Long time. I'm good, mate. Really good. <laughs> Just... It's such a pleasure to see your face, mate. And thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. I'm psyched. Thank you for coming on, Shlo. So this episode is about gratitude and you have an amazing story to share, Shlo, and we, we'll get into that uh, in a bit. But for the listeners, let's kind of start at the beginning. How does a middle-class kid from Buckinghamshire tell his parents he wants to be a beatboxer and hip-hop star? And then how does that then sort of get to the point where the next thing you know, you, you, you're on stage doing that? Just talk to us a little bit about that. Man, it's a good question. Like, I remember when I sort of tried to explain to my parents what, <laughs> what I wanted to do and like what, what my dream was. And it, they just didn't... <laughs> I think that's uh, safe to say they didn't quite get it. But like, they knew it was, it was always going to be a performance thing for me, man. Right. So I remember being like three years old, belly dancing at my grandmother's <laughs> parties where like I was, I was brought up in a, in a loud environment and um, right. having the ability to perform was, was a way to get heard, I guess. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know, I think they always knew that I'd be doing something. It's just they didn't know what that meant. I mean, I told them I wanted to be a beatboxer when I was pretty small. Right. And they told me to <laughs> get on with my maths homework. Like. Of course. Right. <laughs> Slow, I'm interested. I'm just picturing what if I'd have said to my mum and dad, I'm going to be a beatboxer <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> Can you imagine what images came to their mind? Yeah. He's, he's going to beat boxes up. What's he going to do? <laughs> He's going to yeah. stand, stand at the back of weight trials and just get a hammer and as he's empty boxes get thrown You're on stage, you're touring, you're doing Glastonbury, you're a world champion beatboxer, you're on top of the world, hardly have time to come up for air, I guess. And why don't I hand it over to you to pick up? Yeah, sure. I mean, like, I kind of lived in a total whirlwind from... From that, you know, le left home, went to Leeds, 
joined a band and, you know, 19 years old, I started touring and I never really stopped. It was a sort of never-ending whirlwind of, of chaos and I sort of, on the outside, everyone would see that as just pure success, do you know what I mean? Playing mm-hmm. bigger and bigger stages and bringing out bigger and bigger superstars. Like I brought out Ed Sheeran at my Glastonbury show, brought out Lily Allen, brought out Rudimental and it's like, it's madness. Um, wow. Yeah. But then I'd kind of walk away from these huge dream come true moments and I'd still feel super empty and um, like I, I had still had more to prove yeah. and I wouldn't admit to anyone how exhausted I was and how depleted I was emotionally and then you know all the way through this I really wanted to do more than um, the kind of acrobatics that I was doing with my voice and, and the showmanship I was displaying like I wanted to get a bit more get a bit deeper and, and push myself as like a singer and a songwriter and a recording artist so I actually decided I was going to make an album and and kind of re, just recalibrate, just show the world a different side to what I was doing. And I didn't think it would be that hard. I thought I'd just come off the road, write a few songs, win a few Grammys, head back out on the road. <laughs> yeah. How hard can it be, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> exactly. I gave myself a challenge. I wanted to try and write a song a day for a month and I booked this studio in the middle of nowhere so I could just escape. And in the first five days I, I wrote five really great tracks that I was really proud of and and then on day six um it all just dropped like I suddenly it wasn't just that I couldn't write any songs it just felt like I couldn't even breathe I just I'd suddenly I'd left the whirlwind I'd left the distractions and I'd left the chaos and I'd been left with just like myself and my mind and I had no choice but to have a proper look at it and it was an absolute horrible state like I hadn't been paying attention to just how awful my internal dialogue was, my self-talk. I was treating myself so badly internally. You've done what you thought is the reset time. You've got to day six. You haven't been able to write a song. Your world's fallen apart. And you had some dark thoughts, right? Mm. And what is lovely about your journey is we get a little bit to talk about social media in a positive Mm. light for a change because so often we all talk about the issues it causes and the problems it causes and it does so many and we're going to do a whole show on it but share with us about yeah day six your world falls apart you go to some dark place Mm. and how social media helped you well i feel like i fell into um a depression hole that i'd been kind of running away from for a long time. I'd been just trying to blot that big black pit out of my head for a long time by just always outdoing myself and yeah. out-succeeding myself. And it didn't, I didn't realise this at the time, but I was probably doing myself a favour by just letting myself fall. But that process of falling was so scary that I didn't know what was happening and I started to panic. And it took me quite a long time it took me a long, long time to get help, to be able to admit that I was basically dying. It felt like I was dying. What's a long, long time? <sighs> I'm trying to remember now. Like I, was, I ended up off the road for almost two years from what I thought would be a few weeks. It took me two years before I was kind of ready to go and go back on, on stage. But in that time, um, mm. I got help. But, but it took a... How long did it take me to get the help? I can't remember. Long. What well, felt at the time, it felt like an eternity. Um, and what do you think the help was? 
Well, first of all, it was just admitting to myself, so I kind of got got the uh, opposite of the ugly friend on board, some kind of strength within me that was like, okay, we can maybe we can maybe share this with one other human, which was my partner, and she she was like, well, you're struggling with depression. You just you need to get some support. Uh, professional support. So I went to uh, BAPAM, which is a brilliant charity, British Association of Performing Arts Medicine, uh, and oh, they wow. they referred me straight away to uh, to get therapy, trauma therapy. Um, and ended up doing a lot of work on childhood stuff that I just had never told anyone about. Um, and I was getting a lot stronger, so I decided to talk about this because I wanted to. I'd, I'd been writing this music and I'd been using the music as a way to... Um, it was a form of therapy in itself. I'd been writing these songs and they were very therapeutic for me. And I was thinking, I'm, I've come off the road. I've, I've nearly made this album. I'm, I'm going to have to tell people what this is about at some point. So I decided to just go for it. Uh, and I, I told the world. I kind of came out as you know someone who'd been really struggling with mental health for way longer than they'd been able to admit. And uh, at first, that reaction was incredible. My crowd just like they were there, they were supporting me. Um, but I wasn't quite as ready as I thought I was. And um, I woke up one day to a, an absolutely brutal trolling from someone on Twitter who had decided it was his job to tell me um, how low I'd stooped and how um, depression and specifically suicide. Our evolution's way of weeding out inadequate men who aren't fit to reproduce, um, and that, oh. yeah, it was. It hit me really hard because I just got strong enough to to show myself, and that had, that just sent me reeling. I was, I just fell f- much further than I'd fallen before. I fell to a state of um, basically planning the end. Mm. You know, it, I was suicidal. I was, I was gone. Um, but this is where the social media effectively saved my life. Yeah. Because I had been vulnerable enough before to share that I was at risk, I started getting a lot of messages, and I'd been getting messages every day uh, of people wanting to talk about it and wanting to just check I was okay. And it just at that moment when I was kind of ready to depart, um, I just happened to get a message, and it it was just a kind message just seeing if I was okay. But that that made me feel strong enough to just just share it, you know, share what I was planning and what was happening. And um, that was a turning point because having someone there to support me and, you know, show me some compassion, it kind of reversed that spiral and I was able to pull myself out. So, Of course, yeah. Yeah, I did a TED talk about this called How Social Media Saved Me From Suicide and it's... it's um, it does reverse that story, even though social media had actually been a, the trigger that sent me so down. So it's complicated. It's a double-edged sword. But my whole mission after that became, I want to encourage people to be vulnerable. You don't have to necessarily mm. broadcast your most terrifying dark side, your most shameful thoughts, but you can show some kind of vulnerability. I get asked this a lot, like, how can I support other people who I'm worried about their mental health? And I always say, don't go challenging them by saying, I think you have a problem with your mental health. Be more vulnerable yourself. Show them some part of you that that is hard for you to share. It doesn't have to be huge, but just something that's difficult. And that will just give them a signal that you're someone who is okay to talk about this stuff. You're someone who can be trusted. 
Um, so yeah, we that's my thing now. We've just got to get more vulnerable and, and look out for each other. You decided, you made a performance piece, your, your TED piece, which was your story uh, yeah. from uh, being on top of the world and touring, and then and it's amazing to to watch this and and the fact that Me again too. you shared your vulnerability with your story, and I've watched it and I see you on I've seen this and you moved me to tears to see to see your moment when you stand on stage and you recognise that moment and. Um, Sorry, that was just when you know that yeah. it, it was touch and go. Whether you'd be here now to tell that story, I, mm. I, I get emotional yeah. just thinking about you performing your journey in that TED talk. Uh, hopefully, uh, we can point the listeners to that so they can hear more, more about it. Do you, do you want to talk a little bit about your decision, as you said, to share your vulnerability, and then you created that performance? Yeah, it, it was a natural evolution because, like, the evolution was a. I decided to. To come out, which I, you know, that's not even the right phrase. Just be real. Just decided to st stop pretending I had a perfect Instagram life and just be real with with my audience and say, "This is who I am." Yeah. And I lost followers. I did, um, but I figure if people can't take that, then that I don't want them there anyway. So I did. I, I let's say I refined my following yeah. to people who really wanted to to have the real me. I did a crowdfunding campaign, and that went through the roof, and that was. Brilliant, and we raised a bunch of money for charity uh, for Young Minds, which is an incredible mental health charity. And then the album came out, and the, the TED Talk was kind of linked to the album, right. uh, and then I evolved that TED Talk into a full solo show, like a full piece of solo theatre, an hour-long yeah. piece that I took to Edinburgh Fringe, got shortlisted for the Edinburgh Fringe Mental Health Award, and I was like, okay, this is, this is the thing. Like, people want to talk about this they, they want to hear about this it's okay for me to just be me like i don't have to be mr perfect or mr mr pyramid stage the whole time like do you know what i mean you you can be you can simultaneously be um top of your field or do you know what i mean respected or, or all those things that your ugly friend wants you to be successful and break world records and that you know i I can still do all those and at the same time I can just be a human who gets really down and needs support and needs a hug and and is essentially it's a frightened child we all have this frightened child this inner child with inside us who needs support and the more you can share that with people the safer you make yourself so proud of you man I'm so proud of Thank you. you you're so honest and real and it's a beautiful beautiful message that I think missing in this world, especially in our business, because mm. so many people just want to be famous, mm. and there's so much of that. And I talk about this all the time, especially in the kind of reality TV world where people are built up to this thing for whatever reason it is that they're doing, and they don't have the tools or and they're not equipped to kind of deal with the the aftermath, which is the obvious aftermath that's going to happen. Yeah. And these people really suffer. Oh, but we lose them. We've lost. We've lost several now. Reality TV stars and TV yeah, presenters. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And there's no, there's no real support for them. So, so your message is, it's paramount. Mm. And you know, it's beautiful coming from your lips because you've been through it, and you can be an inspiration. Thank you. You are an inspiration. You are an yes. inspiration. What am I talking about? You are an inspiration to all of us here, and and everybody that hears that message coming. Oh, from. Thank you. That means a lot. 
But I think that's it. I think that isolation is is the really deadly thing. And that's what changed for me was once I talked about it online, I had a I had sort of a cross time zone support network. So a lot of the people who would reach out to me would be over in the States. So like I'm often working at night and that can be my most vulnerable time. Like I'm on the way back from a show, I'm alone, it's late and you know, I can't phone a family or or a friend in the UK because everyone's asleep, it's 3 a.m. Uh, and then ping up comes a message from someone in the States. You're right, dude, how's things? And I'm like, okay, there you go. I phone you and I'm not alone anymore. You know what I mean? I use Messenger or whatever. I use yeah, yeah. the internet to connect. And that is, these are incredibly powerful tools that aren't being harnessed. They're being harnessed to collect data and do evil yeah. things to us when really they could be used to actually save lives. Absolutely. You know you have Lynn and I here in America Yay. now, so you know you can call us whenever there you want, go. mate. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Please do. We spoke about this, social media, right? Before COVID, I'm not saying totally, but before COVID, you were saying you was getting trolled and that, that, that moment of being trolled was the, the defining moment. I say it bad enough. And it was that one message from someone who's just a, Excuse my French, but I won't say the C word, but you know. Um, I like to think they were having a hard time. I like to think of them as a human. Who... What a generous man. <laughs> well done, Shiloh. <laughs> They're very generous. <laughs> this is their stuff. Exactly. This That's is their it. Stuff. They're projecting yeah. their own stuff. Exactly, because they don't have significance. They don't have the recognition. They can say something against someone free without, without fear of, you know, uh, retaliation because you're not there. Yeah, it's just uh, words, but words, yeah. language is what we say. But so you know, I mean, but social media through COVID was the saving grace, mm. was yeah. people's saviour because it kept people in touch. I think you're right. And you know, people who are vulnerable, isolated, they did manage to seek to their families or their support network or the the, the Zoom groups that sprung up and you know uh, the anonymous groups. Yeah, I went to Shlo's, Shlo's birthday party the other day online. So did I, Shlo. That was the best rave I've ever been to. It was unbelievable. I love the setup as well, man. Rave from home. It was so great. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming. I think we need to wrap up. Shlo, uh, we're not quite finished with you before we let you go. Okay. So look, thank you. It's your uh, willingness to share your vulnerability and, and to be honest and communicating that with others. Very powerful. And, that, and that's the message, really. So thank you. Thanks for giving me a platform to talk about it, man. Appreciate it. Pleasure. Oh, you're so welcome. And that's why we're here. That's why we're doing this, you know? Yeah, wonderful. But before you leave us, mm. uh, Ches is going to get into a little bit of music with you. We, we'd like you to choose our happy track for us, Ches. All right, so Slow, as you know, every week we have a little musical interlude and our guests choose the song. And, you know, it basically, for whatever reason, gives them uh, happy emotions and feelings. Uh, you've chosen our song for today, and as we're not allowed to play the original version, I've done my own little version for you. Nice. Ooh. So I know what it is, but please, if you would share your choice with the listeners. Oh man, this is easy. My happy song is Stevie Wonder, Signed, Sealed, Delivered. Oh, chew. Oh, awesome. And here it is. <laughs> Woo! Like a fool, I will stay too long. Now I'm wondering if your love is strong Ooh, baby Here I am, signed, sealed, delivered I'm yours And that time I went and said goodbye This song, it fills me every time Now I'm back and I'm ashamed to cry Oh, baby I've used this to get me out of trouble so many times. Great choice. Good choice, though. Here I 
Oh, great choice, Schlo, oh, and great man. version, Chez. Thank you. Magic. Thank you. Is that the acoustic <laughs> guitar? Yes, yeah, I just got my funky acoustic out, you know. Wow, man. <laughs> oh, it was brilliant. Oh, well done. Love it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Schlo, we're going to say goodbye to you. Uh, thank you very Schlo much. Schlo, we love you Thank you, Shlomo, for being vulnerable and coming Shlomo. on our show. Thank you, mate. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Thanks for being you. with Lots us, mate. Love, everybody. See you, brother. So that's nearly it then, team, for this week. Before we go, I believe, Brandon, you've got another little sanity trick that you're going to share with the listeners. Is that right? So, as Lim was saying earlier about changing that one little bit of behaviour just to relax you a little bit more to make you feel slightly different, I went into the gym car park this morning and me being a lazy so-and-so, I always drive to the front three rows to try and park next to the gym door, as you do. And I thought this morning, I thought, you know what? I should have learned by now. I've been coming here for 25 years. The front three rows are always packed and I always end up driving to the back three rows. So I'm going to just drive straight into the back fourth row and park and walk to the gym, which I did. And I didn't think about the front three rows, but you know what? I walked in there slightly thinking, it was all empty. It's a different experience today. Yeah. I thought you said you walked to the front and they were always empty. I was driven to the front. It made you angry. I've got the right arm. Is that it then, Brandon? Is that your tip? Well, it's been ruined now. Don't try that. Go to your old park. Sorry. Space <laughs> I ruined it. to the front, drive around the back of the car, park, park up, we usually do. <laughs> so this section should actually be called Ruined by Hawks. <laughs> this is all staying in, by the way. This is brilliant. Chez has had me pants down. <laughs> Again. Again. It gives us an opportunity to communicate with the listeners what an epic fail that whole idea was of Brandon's top tip at the end of every episode. We did promise it, but never mind. <laughs> okay, so join us again next time when our topic will be healthy mind, healthy body. We'll be talking about food and nutrition, and to help us do that, we'll be joined by Heston Blumenthal. Woo-hoo. Wow, wicked! Oh, oh, that's great. Yeah, right, Heston Blumenthal. Can you? Do you think he's maybe just not heard this show, and that's why he's agreed to come on? <laughs> For God's sake, don't play him anything. I've lied really well, <laughs> no. then. Tell him we're current affairs or something. Everybody like that. on Heston's team thinks we are totally professional, and we know what we're doing. <laughs> Well, let's try and keep it that way. Uh, yeah. I've totally fooled them. Let's keep quiet and hope he still arrives. Uh, there's a little snippet of Heston taken from his podcast, Heston's Journey to the Centre of Food. Why is a bacon sandwich alluring in the way that it is? What is it about the smell of bacon? Now, I'd love to know why it's so alluring. And so I think what happens is at its heart, the beating heart of that is something really embedded into, woven into the fabric of our evolutionary emotional system, which means maybe we can all have very strong opinions about it. When you think it's so wrong to have brown sauce, how can you have ketchup with it? You put mayonnaise with it, you serve it with toasted bread, you have white bread, big brown bread, Oh, no way, it's got to be in a bun. Yeah, streaky bacon. So, but I, I think it's because at the heart of the bacon sandwich is there is so much that is woven into our evolution that we become very emotional about it and we become very protective, territorial, and 
Mum knows best. That's Heston Blumenthal, yes, who'll be joining us next week. Before we go, I've just got to tell everyone, we're all excited, aren't we, guys? Because we've got our new YouTube channel where we've got some animation going on. Simon Haynes, who is doing a load of animation and hand-drawn illustrations. So you go over to our YouTube channel, uh, We're All a Bit Mental, and you will find Simon has drawn cartoons of all of us. I always wanted to be a cartoon. It's fabulous, isn't it? I just, uh, my lifetime dream has come true. I'm a, a cartoon. We've made it, guys. We've made we it. We have absolutely. Yeah. We are caricatures and cartoons. So we're having a lot of fun with that. So thank you to Simon Haynes for that. And you can check out more of his work at uh, sillypix.co.uk. And I know that as the series progresses, there's going to be a lot of involvement from, from Simon and we're going to have a lot of fun with his observations. Uh, so that's it. Let's wrap up. Brandon, over to you. Yes, so um, please, if you could... Give us a like and share on our socials. We'd really appreciate you to come and join us each and every time we're on. We're back here next week. Uh, we really look forward to seeing you. So until then, I've been Brandon Block. She's been Liv Ferguson. He's been Chesney Hawks. And he's been Neil Harrington. And we are all a bit mental. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. We're all grateful. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to We're All A Bit Mental with Chesney Hawks, Lynn Ferguson, Brandon Block and Neil Harrington. Written, produced, directed and engineered for Source Productions by Neil Harrington with plenty of help from Lynn, Brandon and Chess. Mm-hmm.